to Revelation 3, 1 to 6. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak and we would hear. Open my ears to hear you. Open our ears to hear you. We are your church, your bride. And we know you long for us to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. This summer, um, Joe, myself, and the two kids, uh, Josh and Hannah, sorry, you shouldn't call them kids, bad habit. Uh, Josh and Hannah went uh, to New Wine for the day. Um, we've been to New Wine over the years, often gone for a week. Don't like camping, but do it. And this year we decided, for various reasons, we, we, it's on Peterborough Showground, we decided to go for the day. And for various reasons we decided it was the kind of thing we ought to do and would be good to do. So it's three hours travelling up there to get there for nine o'clock. Then have a day of kind of, uh, it's like a Christian festival um, during the day. And then to leave about nine o'clock in the evening. Now the question is, I'm not saying that to show I'm worthy of anything. The question is, why would you do that? Why would you do that? What was it that caused us to say the sacrifice, the inconvenience, the hassle of doing that was worth traveling and all those other things? And the answer for me, Joe would probably say something similar though I didn't ask it, is this, is that when we've gone away, when we've taken time, when we've gone to New Wine being one of them, it's pretty much always a time when we hear God directly and God ministers to us. That doesn't mean to say new wine is the only place that that's the case. There are all sorts of things like that. But the question is this. If we really are God's people, his sheep who hear his voice, then we need to make that a priority somewhere where we find a place or a space or a people or some things that enable us to actually hear what God has to say. And sometimes that's not just what generally God has to say. It's actually specifically what God has to say. What God has to say now. Not 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 1 year ago. What's God got to say to me now? If God's words bring life then we need to treasure 
God's voice and what he has to say to us in all sorts of different ways. Before uh, we came to St. Swithin's about six years ago, when I was thinking about uh, whether this was the right place, and I'm sure you were thinking the same thing, I spent a couple of days um, and I came and I prayer walked around the parish, stunning parish, stunning church in the city. But it was as I was sat on the um, bench in Hedgemead Park, looking over the church and was praying, there was a time when actually God started to speak to me rather than me tell God a load of stuff. Me try and tell God what I wanted to do or what I think. Actually, God began to show and to speak and to say some things. And I, in the kind of different points in my life, I've sort of recognized there are times when God speaks to a little bit more clearly sometimes than others. And he started to speak some different things. Show me some things about why we are where we are and some of the things that actually we may be called to do. One of which is about walking by the Spirit. This is six years later from when he's speaking but actually it's about that need to step out and to step in and to step with and to go with what God has called us to as his people full of the Spirit of God. This morning I just want to simply, in a sense, say this. God is interested in you. God is interested in you. You may feel as though God has somehow bypassed you, neglected you, chosen a whole load of other people to do the interesting stuff and you're left doing whatever it is you think you're doing. But if you read through scripture, it's personal for God. God, for example, I'd say, and I'm not just trying to big you up, but he's pleased that you've made time for him this morning in the company of these people. God has something to say to us. But are we ready to respond Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes the idea that God may have something specific to say to me can be a bit intimidating. I mean, will he ask me to go and live in India tomorrow? You know, will he ask me to give up all my possessions? Will he tell me, you know, that fear as you're a child, that somehow God is going to do all sorts of bad things to you that are beyond what you want, means that sometimes we dare, do I really want to know what God thinks about me or what God wants me to do? And sort of we retreat a bit thinking, well, I can do the Christian thing and we can, you know, be okay. The biblical story, as most of you will know, is full of God speaking. God speaking in all sorts of different ways, directly, indirectly, through all sorts of people, through all sorts of genders of people, through different generations of people. In and through, we'd look at the life of Jesus before, you know, if you don't look anywhere else, just look at the life of Jesus. And if you're kind of feeling, yeah, but that's Jesus, then I do love the story um, of God speaking through an ass in the Old Testament. Those of you know about him's ass. And actually, so there is hope for if God can speak through an ass, he really can speak through me, even me, this morning. And God does still speak to us today. It's in his nature to speak to us individually, but also as his people, collectively. And what we find in our scripture today is God speaking to a collective people as he often did in the Old Testament too, not just individually. Very quickly, uh, when you read people who talk, uh, who teach and talk about how does God speak, if you want a quick five-point, this is a side issue, ways in which God speaks, he's given us his word. We've got scripture. He gives us his spirit. He can speak directly to us. He's given us his people, other people, 
That's his third thing. He's given us um, some common sense. Sometimes, actually, it's not over-spiritualizing stuff. It's just saying, actually, I've been stepping this way. Let's keep going. And he also speaks through the circumstances of our lives. There are kind of lots of ways in which God speaks. But the question is, when does God speak to me? And I suppose for me, the turning point for me as a kind of first point where I can think, where God stopped being so an abstract general sense of this is might be, who was actually when I was very young and I gave my life to Christ. When I was actually only five years old in a holiday club, and it's a really childlike faith way of saying, Oh, my heart's warmed that God loves me. Do I want to give my life to him? You see, well, that's a very childish response. But that sense of responding to the workings of the Spirit, that God has something to say to me today, and I need to do something about it, not just generally, but specifically, in a sense, has continued to shape my life. Yes, there's all sorts of stuff, there's disciplines, there's all sorts of things we can develop in our Christian life, but God does want to speak to us. So we're looking today at these chapters in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation. Revelation, just quickly, I just wanted, uh, we've only read one of the seven, but Revelation, a quick outline um, before we go into it, it's called an apocalyptic piece of writing, right at the end of the Bible, which uncovers the kind of future fulfillment of salvation history. It's not like a normal letter, it's not like a piece of prose, actually it's in a particular style that was at that time was well known of an apocalyptic piece of literature. And it prophesies the final events of the triumph of good over evil. In the end, the lamb wins. It's written towards the end of the first century when John was on the island of Patmos, when Christians were being pressured to conform to the Roman world order. Resist conforming to the world and actually you will earn your reward in God's kingdom. Chapters 2 and 3 that we find contain seven individual messages to real churches where you find in modern day Turkey. So if you look at your insert in your nature sheet, I've tried to kind of give you a little bit of a, a few things to mull over um, if you like next kind of thing, so I've given you a map of Turkey, um, which modern-day Turkey with where the seven churches would have been. So this is re- written. So if you read chapter two and chapter three of Revelation, you'll find uh, those seven places. And beneath that, I've put a little table that shows actually that in the messages that John writes that come from Christ, you'll see there's there's a kind of pattern to what God says in some of it that actually there's a complaint about the church in most cases. There's a compliment in most of the churches. There's some things that are good in most of the churches in the seven churches. And actually there's a reward for those who keep the faith and who keep faithful to what God has called us to. But the question is, as these are written, these were written to the seven churches, they're distributed round to um, a range of the churches. And actually, if you take some time this week, I'd encourage you just to quietly read. They're not easy listening if you're looking for, oh, I'm feeling really good about myself. They're quite challenging. 
And it's striking how challenging they are to all of them, pretty much. And so have a quick look at them, have a read of them. And I've only chosen one of them, particularly this morning, uh, to briefly talk at, which is the bright reading I had um, of Sardis in chapter 3 to 1 to 6. So I just want to briefly look at the reading we had in, in the church of Sardis. Really simply, the church of Sardis had a reputation for Christian vitality. God had been at work. There was life, there was growth, there was faith, there were believers coming to faith. But actually now, it's not all it seems. As Christ exposes the heart of their spiritual indifference or apathy. So if you take, I think it's verse 2 onwards. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have your deeds and I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. I mean, that's really challenging. Really challenging to these people. But there is also hope. In prophetic literature, the idea of the prophetic literature and speaking truth and speaking into the kind of situation is that God and the Spirit of God would redeem those situations, would give them the opportunity to repent and turn back to God. He's saying, remember what you received in the past. Remember what God has done in the past. But I'm looking for your hearts and your action and your faith not to live off the past. And what does it say later on in these kind of simple verses? It says, if they don't respond, they risk being caught off guard. None of us knows the time. We can easily put off doing what God's called us to or the right thing, thinking, do you know, there'll be many other days I can do it. And quietly and systematically, we put off what God has called us to. And we never know what time, what kind of things will come. But those who remain faithful, it says at the end, will receive the assurance of eternal life. And the imagery of white garments is a beautiful imagery and has particularly special, um, special significance in the church of Sardis because it's a wool dyeing industry. So actually the people knew that actually that by dyeing of wool and making it white, it was kind of a sign of beauty and, and, and goodness and also flourishing. So here's a really simple, one of the simple straight messages. There are lots of symbolism in the letters. I haven't got time to go into lots of detail because I want to talk about something else as well this morning. But it begs the question for, you, for me is that does God speak to you quite directly about stuff in your life? Or is that a bit difficult? Are we prepared to allow God through Scripture to speak into our lives, to allow us to shape our lives, not unthinkingly, but to allow it to kind of speak to our hearts and say, God, what, what do you really think about my heart, our heart, our state, and what do you want to do with us? Do you know, it's fashionable in some Christian circles, and I do understand it, to think that God would only say nice things to us. He'd only say, you know, like that verse I picked in Scripture, that we are the apple of God's eye. That God loves us with a love that never ends, that never, never fails. God's love is unconditional. And of course, those things are true. But any reading of Scripture would also say God speaks direct words of rebuke, of, refra of calling us to refrain, of correction, 
Because in one of the other letters, it also talks about God disciplines those he loves. God has called us to lives of fruitfulness, and, and that means at times he wants to correct us. He wants us to get us back on track from when we get tempted down the, the wide road that leads to death and come back onto the narrow road that leads to life. And sometimes, I'm talking about myself clearly, I'm a bit slow to listen. And God has to come alongside in some circumstances, force me back to my knees or force me back to God when I've been trying to do life on my own. Because we're called to Christ-likeness, to maturity, to growing in faith. That's one of the calls on the church's life. And it requires the church to begin to get at work, to change and to grow and to mature what God has begun, he wants to bring to completion too. I may have told this story before. Um, so apologies if I have, but I was, at, I was at theological college for a couple of years. Um, I'm not a natural wordsmith, as many of you will know from listening to me. But actually, I've worked incredibly hard to study and to read numerous books. And enjoyed it, but found it really challenging. And then, and to cut a short, long story short, one particular weekend, Joe and I went to essentially like a Christian conference with someone we knew. And she came, she was a very prophetic lady, and God used her in a very kind of prophetic way. And, you know, she said at the end, if you like prayer, come and be prayed for. I went forward, knew I needed to. My heart was going like this. I kind of tend to know in my life, if I start to go like this, then I need to do something. Just sitting there isn't what I'm called to. I need to get off my bottom and respond because God wants to do it. Anyway, so I went forward. She started to pray with me. Prayed lots of lovely things. Just to want to add that, just in case you're slightly concerned. You know, lots of beautiful things and things that only I knew. Me and God knew. So I knew she was hearing from God because of the things that she was saying about me that I only know. And then she was doing all those things and it was amazingly affirming. Then she just stopped for one minute. Not one minute, about 20 seconds. But do you know, I feel God is saying, do not rebuke my revelation. Do not, what was the word? I picked the wrong word. Do not um, um, despise my revelation. That was the word. I'm a vicar. I'm training to be a vicar. And someone has just come and said that I'm despising what God has to say. That is a hard word. But do you know, as that word came to me, I knew it was true. Because I was just learning stuff about God. I wasn't really, when I was picking up the Bible, when I was spending time in prayer, I wasn't really interested in what God had to say to me today, to feed, take the manna for each day. I just sort of started to learn about stuff, which is all good, by the way, don't get me wrong, but I'd forgotten my first love. And actually didn't really, wasn't really coming to God to say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And actually in that moment of rebuke, actually God came in and met me in a really incredibly beautiful way but it was in a moment of rebuke because actually I was going off track and I was getting lost and he wanted me to come back on the narrow path that leads to life. So the question for us this morning is, what's God saying to us? Are we hungry to hear God speaking to us? Like I'm in Isaiah 61, I kind of feel it's one of the verses that we're called to display God's splendor to a needy world. I think it's a message and a mission that does uh, reach our city, and there are hundreds of ways of doing that. 
And what you'll find on your insert sheet as well, I've just, on the spirit of openness, I've offered on the back sheet some of the things that I think God has been saying over the last year or so. I asked the PCC on uh, Wednesday night to say, is there anything that we feel that God was saying to us? Um, gave them no preparation, so thank you for being part of that. The PCC were prepared to say. And those are some of the things that people said that they feel that God is challenging us to encouraging us with some sense of encouragement is that actually God sees us we're not invisible to God God knows us but he is calling us forward I really believe that he's calling us to step out and to step in and to step and will we do that and so um, those are some of them. I'm not going to go through them individually, but, but there's lots of things on that kind of backside. Of the, and, then, and actually, if some of those chime in with you, you think, yeah, that's me, that actually I know I need to step in and I need to be prepared to follow, that actually I need to, it's a moment to stand up and be counted for us as a church. That's the kind of things, I think, that God is calling us to, to now. If we want to move forward, we want to see the church, God longs for us then actually some, we're going to have to step in into some of those things uh, between us. But there are also some kind of warnings in that as well about making sure that we are looking to see build God's work and all those other things as well. So can I ask you to, in, to have a look at those, to have a think about those as well? But I just want to finish with a couple of things, some of those things that have been said, but other, um, other things that have been shared over a period of time, one of which is that longing that you'll find um, in the letter to Sardis, that God wants to wake us up. It's kind of a sense that actually God has good purposes for us. This is not just a kind of a harsh word. He's saying, actually, if you will walk with me, I can do amazing things through you, but you need to want to walk with me? Will you wake up to that? Will you be prepared to walk with me? Another of the pictures is like being in a chrysalis state in a butterfly, wanting that place of wanting to hide away and to be anonymous, but not really longing for maturity and all that God has made us to fly with. That's one of the images of the butterfly that we hold to, that God calls us into maturity and we can, with him, fly. Will we humble ourselves again? and come to Jesus' feet. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a prayer meeting in the city, and one of the church leaders stood up and talked about the passage that's really well known of David and Goliath. And as he was talking about this passage of David and Goliath, of Goliath standing there, shouting, defying the armies of God, saying, I'm defying the armies of God it kind of really resonated with me a little bit as well, saying that, you know, our culture feels so tough to be a Christian in for all sorts of reasons. Not trying to feel... And the the temptation is that we hear all those noises, we hear all that shouting, and it causes us to draw back and to draw further back, to get intimidated, to find a position of fear as the Israelites were at the time. You know, actually, Goliath is big. The threat is real. I'm not trying to pretend it's all fine because actually it is tough. But it's going to take some people to hear God's prompting, God's call not to stand, to stand and not be intimidated, to say, do you know, 
God is with us. We are God's people. It doesn't mean to say we're perfect, but we are going to walk with God and declare his goodness, declare his praises, declare who he is, because he is God and he is worthy of all our praise. Let's pray for a minute. Father, thank you that you speak to us through all sorts of different ways. Sometimes in a gentle whisper while on a walk in the countryside. Other times when we gather here. Other times when we're serving you, doing all sorts of things. And Father, I want to, on behalf of the church, say we want to hear your voice. We want to be led by you. Would you help us? And Father, I particularly want to pray for people this morning who are sat here. If if I'd given this talk when I was about 17, I remember I'd have sat there feeling incredibly inadequate, feeling, I don't know what the vicar's going on about. That's not my experience. But I want to thank you for those who don't feel as though they hear God this morning. I really want to, but would really like to, Father, I ask, would you lead them this morning? Those who are in your own hearts are sat there this morning thinking, do you know, I really would like to hear God in all sorts of different ways, but I'm not sure I do. Father, I ask that you would speak to them and begin to speak to them afresh. But Father, you maybe want to give them new gifts or maybe simply open our eyes to what's already there. But Father, I ask that you would meet them at that point of longing to hear you. And Father, for that image of um, asking you to wake us up, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to take our heads, to lift our heads towards you as a church and to see you more clearly. And lead us on, we pray. Holy Spirit, we pray you would fall afresh upon us. You'd minister your grace. Father, we repent where we've gone wrong, where we've got caught up in all sorts of other things and you've gone to the side. Lead us, Father, back onto the narrow road that leads to life. Help us, I pray, Father. And Father, help us to rediscover again the simple joy 
of being a follower of Jesus. Help us as a church to discover that afresh too. See where we can play our part. See where we can join in. In Jesus' name, amen.